0: Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101
1: ESPN. 2-0 the count on Colton Wong. Runners at the corners trying to add some insurance late. Wong hits it up the middle. Base hit. Edmund will score. Goldsmith to third and Colton Wong delivers. And that adds to the Cardinal lead to make it a 6-3. St. Louis lead. Cardinals would hold on. They'd take game two of the doubleheader. 6 4 would be the final. My name is Dan McLaughlin. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mack. We do this every day. 10 o'clock on 101 ESPN. 65780. That is the text line. 65780. Scott Manziara is our producer. Engineer, How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great, man. Hour number four, we had the doubleheader yesterday. It was a split. Cardinals lost game one, 5-3. Not a lot of offense. Barrios was really good. Struck out eight in game one. Cardinals got a home run late. Tommy Edmond. Uh, they lose it 5-3. Then in game two, not a lot of offense, but they get the five runs in one inning. And it wasn't because they were hitting. It was hit by pitch. It was a wild pitch. And then it was another hit by pitch. And then it was a walk. And then it was a fielder's choice. But so what? They won the game. That's all that matters.
2: And I feel like in that fifth, that five run, third inning, like that's kind of exactly what I expect from the Cardinals. If they're going to win games, it's like they're going to do it all at once. Like it's either every game they're either not hitting at all or one game they do hit a ton. So in this example, the third inning, they score a bunch of runs, all at once, but Hey, it's enough to win. And that was a really important win because they, if they lose that game, they go, 0 four to the twins this year. And then they have the rest of this homestand, which makes it even more critical with these games coming up against the Brewers next week.
1: So the Cardinals have the off day today, final off day of the season. They've got 23 games left in 20 days. They have another doubleheader tomorrow. Detroit will be in town. And then back to a little bit of normalcy. Cincinnati in town first to three on Friday. The one thing the Cardinals can do man they can pitch Tommy Edmond talked about that after the game last night
0: we're very confident in what we have with our pitching staff and obviously getting Carlos back I thought Carlos threw well today
1: um, he just made a couple of mistakes and that's
0: a really really good lineup and if you make even one or two mistakes they're going to punish you so um, getting Carlos back was huge and uh, we just have a ton of depth in our pitching staff That uh, I think if any team is is equipped to make it through the, the stretch that we have I think that we're, we're uh, that team
1: yeah, Tommy Edmund hit it on the head. I mean, the Cardinals pitching staff is really good. It was just a good sign to get Carlos Martinez back in the rotation. So with all the double-headers coming up, they've got more depth in the rotation, which they need. So they get him back, and they also got back Daniel Ponce de Leon. I thought he threw the ball just fine, kept them in the game. It was an incredible catch by Tyler O'Neill in Game 2. Really a game-shifting play cardinals were trailing at that point if he doesn't make the catch they're down for nothing who knows what happens after that he makes a game saving catch in left center diving catch to his left that saves two runs would have made it four nothing instead he saves the game the cardinals then come back with five runs and he talked about daniel did after the game the minute details that he has to improve upon
2: in the summer and spring i was like free and easy you know whatever it goes it goes and i was able to hit my spots and then you know as the days go on You know i try to get too perfect like just all these minute details i'm trying to perfect at the same time and it's it's really hard to do that so um the focus here was just to 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 not focus on those little things and just you know be an athlete and play you know fastball was back as you can see
1: he's got a good fastball matter of fact he's got good stuff it's about just controlling the strike zone if he can do that then you're talking about another added weapon for the st louis cardinals and it's not to me if they get into postseason it's when they get into postseason play mike schild after the game game two they grinded out that win for st louis
3: yeah it speaks to what we've been doing for a while now grinding out at bats taking tough at bats and battling our tails off and those guys did it today for sure um that was a grind out win in that second game and a lot of pauses took place a lot of a lot of um you know, but great punch right back or down two nothing in that second game and come back at that five spot. Um, that was that was huge and a lot of quality at bats. Carp got it started and took some good at bats and the best good at best of the lineup. Big hit by Colton later to get that insurance too.
1: That was big for St. Louis. So the Cardinals split the doubleheader. And they also had to make some roster moves, which is day-by-day for the St. Louis Cardinals when they added Carlos Martinez and when they added Daniel Ponce de Leon. And now giving guys a chance in the outfield, whether it's Bader, O'Neal, or Lane Thomas. And Tommy Edmund playing a little bit of the outfield. Matt Carpenter did have a base hit. He also had a bases-loaded walk. So it's day-by-day. Somebody gets hot, well, you play. And that meant that Dylan Carlson, and we're going to talk about this with Brian Walton, was sent back to the... Uh, satellite camp, if you will, in Springfield and John Mosalock was on ribs in BK and talked about the move of ceiling, uh, sending Dylan back down to the minor league site.
3: Well, let's start back when, when he first joined us. We were we were coming off quarantine. We were a skeleton club of, of what we hoped to be and at the time, we thought bringing someone up who's been seeing live pitching made sense. And so You know, Right away, we we trusted him into uh, that crazy weekend in Chicago where we played uh, three games in two days, and then we played five games in three days. And I think part of what happened is he got a little worn out or a little bit of uh, fatigue started to set in when we returned home. And I I just feel like he wasn't able to really catch his breath. Um, And and we knew that was going to be challenging, but we had a lot of things going on. Uh, we were trying to get ourselves back to being healthy. And I think you also saw the emergence of, of really Bader get, getting going. Lane Thomas is back being healthy. And, you know, I said this all off season. I said it all through spring training one and two, is we're trying to create some opportunity for all of these guys. Now, had, had Dylan come up here and, and not allowed us to have this option or, or to, to have him maybe go catch his breath, that that obviously would have been something uh, different, and we would have been uh, not having this conversation. But you know, he was starting to struggle a little bit, and I think part of it was just allowing him to just take a, a step back, a deep breath. And you know, I'm still hopeful we see him again. Um, my expectations on him are still they're, they're very high, but I think you have to understand this is a unique season and. The demands we're trying to put on these guys is is really difficult, and trying to find that balance of keeping people fresh, but allowing people to 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 have opportunity and and maybe the ability to to take that step forward is what we're trying to map out. And so, you know, we all have our challenges in this season. I certainly uh, um, am pleased where we are at this point, actually, given everything we've been through, but you know, the gauntlet continues and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's hard to believe like three weeks from now, our season's over, but it feels like we still have a lot, a lot of baseball ahead.
1: And that's the hope for the St. Louis Cardinals. So they're trying to figure out the outfield situation by allowing Carlson to go down. It's kind of a reset for him and he will be back up. I would anticipate before this season is through because they don't want him to go into the off season with kind of a sour taste in his mouth, I would think. So the other part of this, though, is Matt Carpenter. Is he running out of
3: time? When you look at, at sort of the time constraint we're under, it might be difficult to, to create that opportunity. In other words, when you're playing 162 over you know 187, you got time. You, you can You can figure out how to to balance out, getting people the work they need to try to get back on track. But you know, the, the one thing we do have is a lot of double headers, so I imagine he is going to get some playing opportunities. But you know, when you're managing a club right now, you're trying to go with hot hands. You, you know, it's just, we understand our runway, right? And it's short, so we've got to sort of play to that. And it's it's a lot harder to try to create opportunities when when you know the clock's ticking, and so. It's going to be a challenge for, for our manager to find those opportunities. It's not that he's not thinking about it, but he's also going to be pushed to go with the, the guys that are really uh, contributing at this moment.
1: Outfielder gets hot. Tommy Edmond maybe goes to third if Carpenter is not. That's one way to look at it. So what about an outfielder that is not with the Cardinals right now? How about an update on Dexter
3: Fowler? Spoke with him two days ago. Um, he was certainly feeling better, which was, was you know very encouraging. So medication is working. Um, and I think, you know, really probably early part of next week, middle of next week, we'll get a sense of, you know, can we get him back doing some baseball activity in a protected environment? And then if we're able to take that step, then I think you can start pointing towards maybe a return to play date but uh, not there yet.
1: Okay, that's the update with the Cardinals outfielder uh, situation, and that was with Ribs and BK yesterday, John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations. More baseball talk is coming up, 65780. Want to get into some of those text messages later in the show, and this is 101 ESPN. A visit with Brian Walton is next.
0: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
1: Every Wednesday, we talk it over with Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. Great website if you follow minor league baseball, in particular the St. Louis Cardinals, but also just general news about baseball across the major leagues as well. Brian, uh, as always, great to hear your voice. Hopefully everybody is safe and sound. And how are you?
4: I'm doing fine. Happy day off to you, sir. You get those, rest those vocal cords. You're going to be doing a lot of talking in the next uh, three weeks.
1: I've been curious what you think of the seven inning major league double edders. It's done a lot in the minor leagues, but what have you thought of how it's been handled in major league baseball?
4: Well, to be honest with you, Dan, I'm a traditionalist and so I was kind of against it. Uh, I just thought it was, you know, turning the Major League into the minor leagues. But I'll tell you something and and you of course see it and feel it better than me. There's nothing better than a crisp two hour fifteen minute game as opposed to a, you know, four hour plus log fest and I I think you know teams definitely managers manage the games differently teams play the game with a different sense of urgency knowing that you know by the fifth inning or sixth inning you know you're pretty much running out of time whereas in a regular game you know there's still you know you know a dozen outs left to to get so you know I think it's a good thing but the other thing I, I think we need to focus on is that very likely when the twenty twenty one schedule comes out, there won't be any scheduled doubleheaders. This is a you know really a one year anomaly. Next season, you know, we'll go back to the point where a doubleheader is a rarity, you know, usually to, you know, make up a rain date somewhere.
1: Yeah, I, I gotta wonder though, if the players association would approach Major League Baseball, and again, you know, Major League Baseball is gonna try to recoup, or recoup every dollar that they can, but if the players association would approach them and say, Look We'll have a little give and take here. We we would like some seven-inning doubleheaders because it, it gives us maybe more off days throughout the season, but we both can win with extra playoff incentive by having maybe another round of the playoffs, and that's where we all can win because then we could start postseason uh, baseball earlier and end the season earlier. I, I wonder if that's something that would be on the table.
4: Well, I think and it would have to be something that would you know be in it for the owners because they're going to say, listen, I lose four innings of, of baseball every doubleheader, and that's four innings worth of concessions that I can't sell, and that there's a real dollar value on that probably. Uh, but the, as listeners probably know, the current uh, bargaining agreement between the players and the owners has another year to go, and this expanded playoff was agreed to this year on a one-time-only basis in reflection of the oddity of the schedule and, and all of that. So. You're right in that for the owners to get the additional revenue, the TV revenue, as well as in 2021, the the ticket revenue from those extra postseason games, the players are going to want something in return. And as you said, you know, more days off might certainly be something that uh, the two sides could work on. So, you know, I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, given that, that both could see something positive
1: from it. Brian Walton is my guest. Uh, let's run through a lot of topics here. As we always visit on a Wednesday. Uh, the passing of Hall of Famer Lou Brock. What comes to mind when you think of the great Lou Brock?
4: You know, Lou Brock it's it's hard to say anything that hasn't already been said and every word that's been spoken by everyone has has been true. But to me, the fact that Lou was not only an exceptional baseball player, but that he was a gentleman and he represented in literally every way what being a St. Louis Cardinals baseball player is about. And then once he retired, he represented everything that a former St. Louis Cardinals baseball player was about. And if you look back in history, you know, it was really, it turned out to sort of be this orderly transition of, of this, this icon of Cardinals baseball, from Stan Musial who retired in 1963 to Lou Brock who joined the Cardinals in in the 1964 season. And of course, at that point in time, you know, nobody knew what Lou Brock was going to be, uh, but, you know, he certainly turned into a, you know, immediately uh, turned into a, a huge fact for the Cardinals in taking the 64 pennant and ultimately the world series and, you know, played with a team uh, for a long, long, long enough to get 3000 hits and be still uh, the national league leader in stolen bases even today. So, you know, it's, it's tough to see, Lou leave us, you know, after, you know, Red and, and so many other Cardinals greats have left us. But, uh, you know, he left behind a, a tremendous legacy that that we'll all remember forever.
1: Boy, I got to wonder if we're ever going to see anybody come even remotely close, remotely within a couple hundred steals, let's say, of, of Lou Brock in the National League of, of his stolen base mark single season. Uh, total bases it, it, I, I just don't see it. Malik Smith last year, I think it was 46 stolen bases to lead the league. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I just don't know if we're gonna ever ever because of the way the game is played see anything close to Lou Brock.
4: Well and you know the specialization, you know the details, the the detailed information. Uh, that's available to teams now is, is greater than, than ever before. And so it's much more difficult, but you know, they're, there, I'm sure there are sabermetric stats that talk about better ways in certain situations to move runners up than to, than to risk a stolen base. And, of course, then you also have to have someone with the innate talent that uh, Lou Brock or uh, Ricky Henderson has. And those kind of guys just don't come along every year, especially when you realize that, yeah, Lou Brock gets a lot of attention for the stolen bases. I think Whitey Herzog was one that said this, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that Guy had 3,000 hits. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much automatic Hall of Fame material. Forget the stolen bases.
1: Absolutely. Uh we just saw the Cardinals finished up over the weekend five games with Chicago, so they're done with the season series. However, um maybe not done with the Cubs just yet because if the playoffs started today, the Cardinals would be seated against the Chicago Cubs. How, how do you think the Cardinals would match up um with the Chicago Cubs in postseason play?
4: Well, you know, we saw the, the two teams go five and five and all ten games were played at Wrigley Field. Yeah, there weren't fans there, but it was still Wrigley Field uh, where the Cubs are comfortable and the, the visiting clubs in a cramped clubhouse. It's, you know, it's just not – I mean, it's an interesting place to play, but it's certainly not the most luxurious uh, place for the, uh, the opposing team. And the Cardinals uh, played them even in terms of the number of wins and losses. But in my opinion, and granted, I'm probably biased, I thought the Cardinals looked like a better team. Uh, you know the the Cubs offense uh, isn't hitting on all cylinders like they could become October, but right now they're not and you know beyond darvish, who obviously looked exceptional um, and and Hendricks, you know they don't really have much pitching. I think it's pretty clear Lester's on the downside of his career. Mills is a back of the rotation guy at best, and uh, Quintana's hurt and Adelay is a you know still just a, a young guy trying to find his way so you know, granted that the postseason schedule could help them. You know, try to stretch out those two pitchers. And I know, by the way, the Cubs bullpen, you know, is is just pretty much chaos right now. Uh, you know, with the exception of Jeffers, uh, you know, who, you know, we've seen a number of times with the Milwaukee Brewers. So, you know, I think it'd be great to see the Cardinals play the Cubs again, and I wouldn't be surprised in that series if the Cardinals were favored. Now, granted, we're talking about you know, today on, on, uh, September 9th. And there's still, you know, three weeks before those playoffs. Have began.
1: We saw Dylan Carlson option back to the alternate site. Cardinals had to make moves yesterday with Carlos Martinez and Daniel Ponce de Leon. I, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I get it. I understand the move. Um, you're giving the young outfielders a chance to make their run. You had to make the move for the pitching I, I, you know, the the information at the alternate site is limited on <clears throat> what what is happening down there. What did you think about the move of Dylan going back down?
4: I was surprised the Cardinals did it, but I'm glad they did. One of the, I wrote a week ago an article. Folks can uh, you know, take a look at the Cardinal Nation. How it just didn't look like the Cardinals could afford to have Matt Carpenter and Dylan Carlson in the lineup every day. You know, you're talking about guy you know, Carlson with an OPS under 500. And Car, you know, and, and Carpenter with an OPS of 600. And this is a team that is struggling to to score runs. They have to take advantage of every opportunity they can. And they had two guys that just you know aren't carrying the weight. They gave Carlson, uh, you know, uh, three pretty much two and a half three weeks to to play every day. But the, the writing was on the wall by the beginning of this month. In the in the seven games uh, in September prior to today, prior to yesterday, uh, Carlson only started twice. And his current streak was one for 19 with no walks. So it wasn't that Dylan Carlson had any momentum at all. Yeah, maybe he was unlucky. Yeah, maybe he was getting pitched like a a 15-year-old star, like Mike Schultz said. But what does Tim McCarver say?
1: It's the big
4: leagues, man. There you go. If you're in the big leagues, Dylan Carlson, you got to either punish that off-speed stuff Or you got to be prepared for what happens, which is to go back to the minor leagues and, and, uh, you know, continue to work on your strengths. And there's no doubt Dylan Carlson's going to be part of the plans in 2021. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, what isn't clear is of the group of O'Neill and Bader and Thomas, which one of those guys are keepers? Which of those guys? Might be one, might be two, might be all three. Which ones of those guys are keepers that can be counted on to start in the major leagues? And there's, you know, uh, now what, 20... Uh, three games, you know, left to go. And those guys are the guys that they're going to go with down the stretch. And so I get it. And, you know, for Dylan Carlson personally, what would be the best for Dylan Carlson personally? Maybe staying in the major leagues and, you know, getting regular at-bats would be the best thing for Dylan Carlson. But, hey, the St. Louis Carlson are trying to win games. They're in a playoff hunt. And, you know, right now, Dylan Carlson was a uh, not a contributor to that offense.
1: What did you think of Carlos Martinez in uh, game one of the doubleheader yesterday?
4: Well, I thought that considering how long it had been since he pitched, you know, uh, over a month, he, you know, did okay. He had left a few more pitches over the middle of the plate, but I thought his stuff looked pretty good. He was able to throw strikes. I think that's something he can build on. Uh, certainly, he didn't get any help from his defense. There was an opportunity there in, what, the third inning where, you know, a double play could have got him out of a big jam and then, then boom, the three run home run pretty much, you know, sealed his fate. That game could have gone uh, very, very much differently. And so, you know, I expect that Carlos will get more chances to start. I, I still think he's, you know, among the best five starters in the pen, although it's in the uh, rotation. But, I, you know, I will have to admit that Daniel Postelion, uh you know, showed himself well also in game two. and. He probably could have pitched longer, but they had a fresh bullpen, and you know boy, that bullpen just doesn't get enough credit. They came in and again were nails.
1: Yeah, it's saving the Cardinals right now. In terms of the minor leagues, there's some news in terms of uh, instructional camps being handed down by MLB for for the uh, the teams around Major League Baseball.
4: That's right. Major League Baseball has informed teams that they are allowed uh, to have their instructional camps, which. Typically, uh, organizations do in the fall, in September, uh, in October. The Cardinals used to do it in the fall. Now they had moved theirs to January, the last few years. But that could change this year. Um, I talked, to I communicated with Gary Larock, the farm director, about this. The Cardinals have not yet set their plan in place, but they are definitely studying it, and they have been studying it. What Major League Baseball, you know, provided some conditions though. One is that each team has to have a dedicated coronavirus plan, of course, to handle uh, everybody who would be around. The other thing is that they're required to pay the minor leaguers who participate, and that's new. In the past, uh, all spring camps, instructional camps, uh, players did not receive a salary. So that's uh, a positive for the players, but an expense item for the teams. Uh, The other thing that is interesting is that Major League Baseball has left it to the individual teams as to whether scouts are going to be allowed in these instructional camps. But if a team excludes scouts from their camp, then they're not allowed to scout other teams' instructional camps either. And so, of course, then what I requested was, hey, if there's going to be a process to allow scouts in the stadium, uh, let's also consider a process to allow selected media folks in the stadium so we can bring to fans information about what's going, been going on. Because you know, one of the things I've heard time and time again is folks are anxious to hear about what the – Folks are doing in ultimate camp in Springfield, and really, all you know, we get from the team is everybody's doing well. Well, you know, there's there's more to be learned than that. But when there aren't eyeballs at the games, nobody knows.
1: Yeah, for sure. Minor league baseball, uh, there's been a major retirement concerning minor league baseball too.
4: That's right. Pat O'Connor, who's been the the longtime president of minor league baseball and the leader of their headquarters down in St. Petersburg, made the decision to retire. And to me, what that said is that Minor League Baseball is waving the white flag. They had continued to try to negotiate a way to keep themselves in business, but Major League Baseball holds all the cards. And the agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball expires at the end of this month. And at that point in time, all indications are that MLB is going to take over operation of the Minor Leagues, and Minor League headquarters will no longer exist. Now, there's a positive on the side of that for teams because they see that MLB can help them potentially make more money uh, through merchandising and and the like. But it also removes the checks and balances of of a system where minor league baseball had some autonomy and they could, um, you know, stand up in a a unified group against things that major league baseball were doing that that are sub-optimized. You know, one of the things major league baseball has done is, you know, they haven't, identified yet which 42 teams are going to go next year. I mean, they're they're going to do it. There's no doubt about that. But the longer they can wait to name those teams, the more teams believe that they're still in it, and that divides the, the, the dissension. And so it divides the opposition. So, you know, the only question right now is going to be, you know, as far as I'm concerned, which 42 teams are going to go away. But all indications are that, uh, for the Cardinals, they will no longer have a team in the New York Penn League or the Appalachian League starting in 2021.
1: My final question would be, have you heard anything about the Arizona Fall League because of the coronavirus and what's going on with that?
4: No, no. And by now, uh, the Arizona Fall League, the players would have been in the normal yeah. season. The players would have been announced, the seven or eight players for each organization. They would have announced the coaches. They would have announced the schedule. And the schedule, you know, would beginning, you know, would start uh, here just very, very soon. The lack of, of news of any kind leads me to believe that teams voted down having an AFL this year. There's significant expense involved in putting on the AFL, and even the instructional camp plan that you uh, asked me about before, Dan, rumors are that some teams didn't want to have instructional camps because of the expense involved. Sure. And so the additional cost of the Arizona Fall League It's just not something, not only that, but also the logistics of having, you know, 30 organizations, teams of players in one place. Uh, I just, it it wasn't feasible. I didn't think it was going to happen all along. And I think these instructional camps are a, an alternative, a rather than a uh, potential alongside of the AFL. I don't think the AFL will be back until 2021.
1: And what's Brian Walton working on at thecardinalnation.com?
4: Yeah, I'm just trying to keep busy with all the moves the Cardinals are making and the ramifications. Uh, one of the articles I, I wrote yesterday was I sort of recapped the, the journey that Carlos Martinez had uh, that we learned uh, between games included three or four stays in the hospital. Uh, so, his, you know, the severity of his case of uh, COVID-19 was much worse than we originally thought. Um And so, you know, I went into detail and why uh, it it appears to me that he's one of the best starting options uh, for the Cardinals going forward. But, you know, there's also a lot of commentary in my uh, analysis of the Dylan Carlson situation, why the Cardinals have uh, done what they've done, as well as every other move that's, that's going on, as they'll continue to occur in the upcoming days.
1: Brian, thank you as always. We'll catch up next Wednesday. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walton.
0: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
1: What a play here by Tommy. Backhanded, long throw, and he makes the play. So it's a split of the doubleheader. Tommy Edmonds, some nice plays defensively here to finish it off. 23 games left 19 days and no off days remaining for the st louis cardinals as we head down the stretch of this regular season 65780 that is the text line air comfort service text line and the 314 will austin dean be back or a factor this year could be Uh, a lot of that is dependent on injuries also performance and we're day by day i have not got an update on what he has been doing now we did get ravello back and he was part of the COVID 19 list so ravello is back and contributing and with all the double headers the cardinals need you know guys to come back and just fill spots and ravello can hit and if there's no offense austin dean looked good in summer camp and he was a guy that gave them a little pop so that is something to consider uh danny mac 636 what do you think of the future for dylan carlson um well, that's kind of a long answer, but I'll give the immediate future. I think he does come back this year. I liked what he saw, uh, what I saw from him. Um, unfortunately, he barreled some balls early, and they were right at defenders. And so if some of those get down, it's maybe a different thing with him confidence-wise and gets off to a good start. He didn't. And he also came up with runners-on, which doesn't add to the confidence factor of all of a sudden hitting right at people. Long term, can play any outfield spot. Love what I saw defensively from Dylan. Again, O'Neill, Bader, Thomas going to get a run. If they don't perform, Dylan comes back up. I think this also goes into what's happening with Tommy Edmond and Matt Carpenter. If Matt Carpenter doesn't perform, Tommy Edmond is at third base. If the outfielders don't perform, Tommy Edmonds in the outfielder. Uh, outfield Carl, uh, Carpenter's at third base. So I think that's something to consider as well. And it's something that you have to think about going forward.
2: Yeah, so I was thinking, Dan, I wanted to ask you. So Tommy Edmonds played all of these different positions. You know, when he was in AAA, he wasn't getting a ton of looks before he got the chance to get called up. Kind of similar to Dylan Carlson when he was in AAA for a short period of time last year. Do you think watching Tommy Edmonds now, this is what you expected from him when he got called up?
1: You mean initially? Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I think he played his way onto the roster, though, and they would not have gone to postseason play without Tommy Edmond. That's a fact. I mean, he was one of their best hitters down the stretch last year. So he forced his way onto the starting nine. So if Tommy Edmond doesn't do what he did last year, Cardinals don't go into postseason play. That's a fact. So who's going to
2: do that this year in the final two and a half weeks? And I feel like with uh, being coined kind of a utility player, because you can play a bunch of positions, sometimes it comes with that is that you don't hit very well. Obviously, Tommy does. Is he somebody that you can see having double-digit home runs in regular seasons? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think so, for sure. He, to me, he's
1: Ben Zobrist. That's If you like, uh, loved watching Ben Zobrist, he's Ben Zobrist. So if Carpenter or whoever the third baseman is... Um, and the guy goes down or needs a day, he plays third. Colton Wong okay. needs a breather, plays second. Somebody at short, plays short. Got a got a spot in the outfield, he plays the outfield and plays it well. You know, he's not going to embarrass himself. Now, is he going to be, I think he could be a goal glover, maybe a third. I think he's a really good third baseman. Really good. Now, is he going to be Nolan Arnauto? No. Like a finalist? Like Daniel Descalso was a finalist at third base now is he going to be elite no but he's gonna be really good at third yeah um but i i look at him as like a ben zobris type where you can just play him all over the place and gives you flexibility and that's what he's done now in in this season where you're mixing and matching guys all over the field so That's how I kind of equate him now is how they're using him as Ben Zobrist. And And he's a switch hitter.
2: And I was thinking uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before we were talking about possibly seeing if Dylan Carlson was going to move higher up in the lineup to see with him having the protection around Paul Goldschmidt. Do you think the idea has been kicked around at giving Matt Carpenter a chance to lead off given the amount of success that he's had? I don't think so um, because
1: Wong got it going on the road trip and it's a valid point. I know a lot of people look at it. Um, kicked around, maybe. So l- let me backtrack. Um, you know, it's... it's an, How do you not at least maybe kick it around? You right? know, the just second to get game him of going. a double header. Yeah, just to get them going. Say, hey, let's throw it out there to see if it works. Um, kick it around, sure. Do it, probably not. Um but Wong, to me, after what I saw, what he did on the road trip, I can't move him. I, I just, I can't do it. He, he's and and then what does it do to Wong, who's a guy that when he's at the top of the lineup and when he's doing things like hitting the ball the other way, it's something like thirty-five or forty percent of his hits against right-handed pitching the other. I was looking at the stats the other day. have been going the other way when he hits the ball the other way. Man, he is really good at the top of the lineup. I like him in that spot. I, I don't want to mess with that. You know what I mean? So I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I don't want to do that. It's true. You know, that's something that I, I got to I gotta worry about. I don't want to do that.
2: What about on the bullpen? There's been so many guys there that have been electric this year. So much young talent to go there, too. If we're getting, as we get closer to more important games and games meaning even more than they already do, do you have kind of roles? Do you have mapped out? I'm starting like, to
1: see it now. Yeah.
2: What do you see? Gallegos
1: is my closer. And then my seventh and eighth inning interchangeable with Miller and Gant, so I've got that. Those three are kind of there with Helsley mixed in too. So those are my four guys that are kind of the back end of the rotation or back end of the bullpen. Who am I missing? Think of if, if there's somebody I'm missing. But those are my my guys that I'm I'm kind of thinking of as my if I if I've got a lead or it's a tight game. That's those are my four that I'm really counting on. I think if I'm in a regular season um, or regular game, a Daniel Ponce de Leon, if he is in the bullpen, he's maybe if it's a tight game, you know, middle, like, like fifth, six, get to the seventh, he's in that
2: area. I like him in a bullpen. Um that's where I'm going. So postseason play, maybe. Because there's a couple of guys, so like Austin Gomber and Jake Woodford, too, that are like been stretched out. They can go longer into games. Gomber is
1: definitely in that he's, area. He's
2: got electric stuff. So do you think when we get closer, they're not going to just save him for in case a starter doesn't go very long? they got to use him, right?
1: So Gomber would fit into if i got to get a lefty out or the three-batter minimum, and he's not my rotation. Gomber's in a late-inning situation for sure. Yeah, he would be in my, let's say, top five out there for sure. But Gallegos is my closer. I read some stats last night that just were eye-popping of just how good Giovanni Gallegos has been. He's one of the top relievers in baseball this year. Like, top two, stats-wise. Whip, strikeouts,
2: ERA, that kind of thing. Opponents average. It's been awesome. And people have ripped the Cardinals for that trade to get Gallegos with void having the double-digit home runs. So here's a question. Where do you, where do you put Alex Reyes? that's another one so when he's right
1: which is a question of consistency that's another one so if he's right and i need to get three outs and again i can't picture you know i can't say well he's right and i throw him out there because you don't know until he's out there but when he's right oh i'll take alex reyes and Hennessy cabrera again that's a question of consistency I love it when he's consistent, man. When he's flipping that nasty breaking ball and he's throwing 97, 98. Oh, I'll take an See, this is why the Cardinals are dangerous. If they get in their pitching is going to get them above other teams. I I love their pitching. Their pitching is flat out nasty. It's really, really good. And that's why they have a chance to beat a lot of teams. All right. This is fun. I'm getting a lot of texts. Um, By the way, I love Gomber as a starter, too. Might see him as a starter with these doubleheaders coming up. So, stays in a rotation. We'll see. We'll see how they want to play it. Thanks for all the uh, text messages. I appreciate it. You guys make me think. We'll cross it over. Ribs and BK coming up next.
0: More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN.
1: Ribs and BK, they're coming up next on 101 ESPN, and uh, I'm excited to hear the Hall of Famer, Chris Pronger, is booked. He's coming up, and uh, that's a good get, man. I always love hearing from Prongs. Can't wait.
0: Prongs is going to offer some great insight. He doesn't hold back. He's a super intelligent guy. And I think that he'll be able to shed some light on certain aspects to the Alex Petrangelo situation. And also, look, Chris Pronger was as dominant oh, as man. anybody in the NHL after the age of 30. Yeah. So I think it's pretty relevant to what we're going to talk about.
1: I, I Honest question. Why Why do you think um, – oh, well, i ask you, both you guys, but you know him very well. I mean, you played with him. Why do you think he got out of the front office? Because he was – He's very close, I would think, to becoming a general manager, uh, unless I'm reading this wrong. But, I mean, at various spots in the NHL, and he was gradually moving up and had done and paid the dues to become a uh, an executive at the highest level. Why, why do you think he stepped away? Well, I can only speculate.
0: I think that there was a different mindset in Florida. I think that Dale Talon was still the guy in charge. And I think that they viewed things differently there, and and maybe they viewed things differently moving forward. Um, And, you know, also, there are other jobs that are popping up left and right here that I think people are picking up the phone to give Prongs a call. So maybe that happens. Uh, And also, he's got a great business with his wife, and we're going to get into that, too, because it's doing really well. And it's, you know, they're here in St. Louis, and again, another guy that has made home here in St. Louis so maybe he's gonna do that and wait around and, and maybe there's a Bill Armstrong that leaves the St. Louis Blues in a year or two. And, Doug Armstrong. Oh, Bill Armstrong, I'm talking. Well, Doug oh, yeah, Armstrong yeah. too. either or Armstrong. And that would put a spot for Prongs to come in and be, you know, ranked high up in the organization and stay here in St. Louis.
1: Gotcha. Uh I'll be with you at twelve fifteen. That is correct. Okay, you got prongs. We've got prongs. We have Mike Claiborne at eleven forty five and we have Chris Kerber coming up at one thirty. Okay. Sam Page with some more news for you, Ribs.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Look, uh, yeah, I'm all for protecting the kids, the high school kids, the youth of America that are playing sports. Um, but and to me, I, I got to see the numbers. I got to okay. see that it's true. You can't just tell me it is and, and not back it up. Am I allowed? You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.